What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hellman, and today I'm sitting here with my trend-watching hat on. Why? Well, because there's trends that happen out there. And one of the trends I've got my eyes on for 2016 is the growing number of conferences for people that run co-working spaces, are in co-working spaces, are curious about co-working spaces, literally all over the world. As I'm sitting here recording this, I have an article up from shareable.net that is called the top 12 co-working conferences of 2016. And if there can be a top 12, that means there's even more than 12 out there. But just to give you a little bit of a highlight reel, maybe some things you didn't know about, Juicy is taking itself to South America for the first time. Juicy Australia, Canada, and co-working Europe are coming back for another year. After a hiatus work shift, which is a small event that I keynoted at in Durham, North Carolina, two summers ago, is coming back again. Juicy China is coming in August. Coworking Spain is back. Coworking Switzerland is coming online. There's so many events happening all over the world. But a couple of the ones I'm most excited about I want to share with you right now. The first one is the Coworking Unconference Asia in Ubud, which is in Bali, which is in Indonesia. And it's next month. From February 24th to 28th, people from all over Asia, Australia, New Zealand, the entire Pacific Rim region, literally people from all over the world, but mostly the Asian co-working community are going to be coming together for a few days to learn and share together. Now, this is a conference that I really, really, really wanted to go to last year and just couldn't pull it off. But this year, I'm super excited to say that I will be there in the flesh for all of the days, the keynotes, for the unconference days, and also for a brand new workshop series that's being created just for newbies. That's people that are just getting started in co-working, still figuring things out, but want to get off on the right foot. Now, that 101 workshop is an extra ticket, but if you go to cuasia.co, which is their website, you can find out all the things you need to know about that. And I hope to see you in one of my community building workshops that I'm putting together exclusively for those. The other event that I'm excited to tell you about is something we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. So I want to get into the episode before we get too much further into this. Now, today's episode is a conversation with one of my teammates here at Indie Hall, Sam Abrams. Sam has been working at Indie Hall for a little over a year, actually almost a year and a half. But last fall joined me at for her first co-working conference, which was the Juicy Canada conference for the first time first time juicy in Canada, in Toronto. And oh my gosh, we had such a good time. This is one of the best conferences I'd been to for co-working in my entire co-working career. Ashley Proctor and the team that ran it are just literally some of the best people in the world, and they put together a completely tremendous event. So I was very proud to be able to share that with Sam, and that be her first conference. And when we got back to Philadelphia, I sat down with her and a microphone to ask her what some of her takeaways and impressions were, because not only was this an amazing conference, but as I said, it was Sam's first co-working conference. So I wanted to get the eyes of a newbie, the eyes of someone who has no experience going to a co-working conference to see how she would put the pieces together and you're going to get sort of a highlight reel of her favorite sessions lessons and takeaways day by day over what was actually a four-day conference we're taking four days of conference and consolidating it down to her top takeaways for you now that's not quite a replacement for being there but i think it's pretty damn good not only that but you're going to get some of her suggestions to you if this is going to be your year of going to a co-working conference for the first time, of how to get the most out of it. 
Now, that's enough talking from me. We want to hear from Sam. So without further ado, I'm going to get into my conversation with Sam Abrams about the Coworking Canada conference in Toronto. I didn't take any notes. <laughs> uh, it was good. It was good. I really like the culture is strategy talk mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and it reminds me of, I don't remember even who, I would love to give credit to whoever it was. I that think said it, it was FreshBooks. Well, no, so it, at, the t- at the conference it was FreshBooks, but outside, like in, this is probably two or three years ago, I read a blog post from a guy who basically said, like, um, culture is your co-pilot or like culture at culture as your co-founder or your business partner it's sort of like culture is the thing that makes sure that things work even when you're not in the room to make sure they make them work yeah which i think is a lot of what he was talking about like it's that it's the environment uh and and how being strategic which i think he's right about strategy but i think it's maybe like another layer underneath it where it's more about like being strategic can also mean the things you do consistently and on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it also goes hand in hand with, you know, so a lot of our conversations kind of ended up in the like, um, you can't really start a co-working space without your community. You really have to start with community. Community first, community first, community first. And I think culture is the other half of that because you can have your community and I think culture comes along with it, but it's it's being aware, and I don't want to say cultivating it because that just feels like blah, but um, being aware of what culture you're finding and accepting it and embracing it and like really nudging it forward, which is a weird thing at Indie Hall to have to learn because when I came in a year ago, everything was a specific way, and some members are now full-time that weren't before and some full-time have left, that um, the culture's just changed. And I was thinking about that this morning, that we have a couple members that are like, really into healthy eating and they're like gonna go on bike rides and stuff like that and a year ago I would have been like no way (laughs) that's not (laughs) happening um so and working at camp they uh they assigned us to create culture the first two summers was like build culture and it just doesn't work that way so I think knowing when you have it and really knowing how to um indulge it and grow it and make it a thing that people do is what's the other half of having your community, is having people to play in with. Yeah, I, I think that's really astute. Um, before we go any further, we should probably let the people that are listening know, who the hell is this friendly person? It's me, Adam. <laughs> you don't sound like Adam. <laughs> um, I'm Sam. I am Adam's colleague at Indie Hall. So uh, You're my colleague, too. Yes. But you're like my boss. You're the man on my checks. <laughs> well, it's, it's so like I think you get to do a lot of the what's the mission? How are we growing things? Where are we looking in the future? And we do a lot of the day-to-day stuff. We definitely do things in the like looking forward and more of the high-minded sort of stuff. But we also, you know, buy more method spray yes. and like look at how particular systems we're using are working or not working yeah you get to sort of spend time in both worlds the daily tactical as well as the strategic stuff the bigger picture stuff and yes cool um, it makes it sound very calculated i like it <laughs> i'm sam i know what i'm doing i do uh, you I do. do you really do you and you and adam are are, are an incredible team 
Um, I wanted to get you on the show today because last week, no, almost two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. uh, you and I went to Toronto for your very first co-working conference. Was that actually the first time you were interacting with people from co-working spaces outside of Indie Hall? Um, I mean, Orin's visited... Um, so people that have specifically, like, people that know Indie Hall enough to want to come to Indie Hall, visit Indie Hall, hang out with us, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and that's a little bit different because it's it's more of a friend sort of thing because yeah. they're coming to visit their friends, which um, I think the co-working world can be that way, and most people are that way, uh, but not not so much off the bat of having that automatic familiarity. Like, the first day of the conference was a little odd because it was like, I know all these people are really friendly and they want to know me just as much as I want to know them. But I also know that it's the first day of a conference. We've all just met each other. It doesn't just click in. Although it did click pretty fast after that point. So your first time sort of immersing in a collection of people in the co-working world. And it it was a good attendance for a first time event, um... It was like 100, 120 people or so. And it was a nice mix, too, of what people do as well. Yeah, really, really nice. Uh, Ashley Proctor, who's a friend of mine, uh, someone who I admire tremendously, uh, I think set a new high bar for... And you don't have something to compare it to, I don't think, and and maybe some of the folks out there have been to other juicy events and other regional co-working events, and, and, uh, you know, they're great. But I, I think Ashley set a new high bar. This was a really tremendous event across three days, four if you stayed for the fourth day, which we can talk a little bit about. Yeah. Um, so your first time at one of those, had you been to other conferences, like professional conferences before? Um, I'd been to stuff with college where it's like, we're having a networking event. But okay, so no. Not really. <laughs> no, was the answer. And, no. you're, and you're also really active in the improv world and maybe don't them conferences but there are there are festivals um but it's definitely less about how do we do what we do and more just doing it showing off like dem- like like performing basically together, right it's like having a gig in another city that's cool uh, but you do also so dcm the del close marathon in new york is probably the closest to a conference because you have a space where you can go as a performer and you meet all kinds of people from all over the country and sometimes the world and then you get to see them perform later you've already seen them perform that's cool. So what, if any, expectations did you have going into this conference? <laughs> um, you, I didn't really have any because for a little while I would joke that all you had told me was when to show up at the airport. Uh, and Which when is kind of true. It's true. <laughs> um, let's try not to be accusatory. Um, <laughs> I was a little worried that it would be like, oh, where's Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Which, uh, I did. of course, everybody was very gracious. Um, but I kind of expected, like, what the first day was, which is that there would be speakers, um, and I would take notes, and that would kind of be it. Um, I didn't even really know what to expect with our workshop, either. It, so it was good because I came in with almost no expectations. Sure. Yeah, which, you know, I think in hindsight... Uh, is the best way to go into these things because you don't know how they're going to go. And one of the interesting things about, and I've been to a lot of conferences in multiple industries for a variety of different reasons as an attendee, as a speaker, and though it's it's sort of like a co-working space for a day or two in that the it matters a whole lot less about who's on stage 
matters a whole lot more who else is attending. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's the sort of the origin of the unconference was, you know, what would happen if you took the best parts of a conference, which usually happen in the hallways, and made the entire conference that. Yeah. And then added a little enough structure to it so people could know where to be. So it's that balance of serendipitous hallway conversations with making sure you're there for them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so that. You know, one of the reasons that I say that I think this conference was out, was so outstanding, I'm used to day one being sort of like the slog that I have to get through in order to get to day two. So, because day two is usually the unconference part, which right. is where the really good stuff happens. Um, and day one ends up being sort of like, I don't know, part of it is me, I'll be willing to admit my bias is... I don't feel like I learn much from the people who end up on, on stage most of the time. Um, but worse is that it ends up that people use a stage to connect in a certain way. And it feels like people talking at you. Yeah, I definitely get that. Right? So I think this this conference, while, I mean, it was still people on stage with a presentation, I think it was a combination of the speakers that actually chose to invite, and of course the ones who said yes, as well as guidance on topics. There was no, like, slump in the topics. Every single one of them was uniquely interesting. And this, different. And different. Yeah. And the speakers did a great job of creating some sort of takeaway. Like, it wasn't just like, here's what I did. Ta-da! It was, like, there was there was objective to it. So, what we're... Why don't we talk a little bit about day one? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with all the talks, really, I... I, I like, there was... You, there's usually something where I'm like, okay, I can go for a walk, <laughs> <laughs> and I and and that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So like, would, considering that, were there, like, what's the highlight reel for you from day one? The you know the, the speakers on stage part of the Juicy on conference or the Juicy conference in uh, in Toronto. I was fascinated by Tanya's talk about CSI and how much they've grown. Um, I didn't write down what what year they started, but they were kind of the first doing this, creating a place for people who are working on a specific thing. And I haven't had any experience really with um, niche co-working spaces. And I'm I'm curious about it because that's something that everybody asks us at Indie Hall is like, oh, are you, is this like a tech place? And we say no. Um, And so I'm fascinated by how you can build a community when they have that similarity, if it's easier, if it's harder. And I was also really interested in scaling, and I didn't get to ask about that because that was probably going to be day three, and I was sick. Um, but the I, I just was fascinated by like how you can manage to grow so large um, and still be doing the thing that you're trying to be doing, and not lose at least the min- like at minimum the mission, but also the the kind of culture that they had made. And I think that probably comes from the people she has on her on her team. Yeah. Would yeah. be my guess. Um, and they had a very clear list of, like, this is how we work and why. Um, I loved I loved Angel's talk on failures. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm not starting a co-working space, but I talk to a lot of people who have just started, are relatively new, or are starting in the near future. And I think just being completely blunt about, like, this failed. This is exactly why it failed. Um, is so helpful. 
because because when you have a, a conference or a presentation or any kind of example of like everything is shiny, everything is beautiful, things are going great, uh, it gives you a standard that you can't hold yourself to. But Angel's been doing co-working for ages and this thing blew up in her face and she's able to explain exactly why. One uh, of the things that Adam and I have talked about in conference recaps before is exactly what you just said, which is... Uh, you know, it ends up being a bunch of people jump, you know, getting into a room talking about how awesome co-working is. Yeah. Sort of preaching to the choir. And uh, I, I think one of the other elements of Angel's talk that, I, that was, was uh, rare, even when we get into conversations about mistakes made, is they were coming from someone who's got just a sense of self-awareness. To know, because you can know that something failed, and you can either m- not know well, you can either lie about why it <laughs> failed to save face, and a lot of people do that. They make up reasons because oh, they yeah. don't want it to be themselves. Angel's like, I screwed up. Like, I totally made the wrong call. And not a lot of people have the, the humility to do that. So I think it made that, that talk about that particular topic that much more impactful and hopefully something to lead by example. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I loved that. I think the big thing... Uh, for me, was Steve King's presentation. He does all of the co-working statistics. He's been on the show. He's been on the show. Um, and it kind of affirmed some insecurities I didn't realize I had about working at Indie Hall and about our membership. Ooh, like what? Well, uh, the one that really stuck out for me is uh, we, have a, we have a bunch of members at Indie Hall that don't come in ever. Uh, maybe I've met them once. Sometimes I've only talked to them on their tour and then never again. And... I like that we have that as an option for membership, that you don't have to be here to be part of it. You can be interacting online. But it definitely makes me nervous that somehow it's my fault they're not around or that I could be doing more to get them to come to events or to be on group buzz more or something like that. And one of the statistics he said was that um, the group that had the highest satisfaction with co-working were the baby boomers and that they were the ones that were in the least often compared to his other age groupings. Um, And that to me was a huge deal because it was like, cool, it's not that I'm not connecting with them. It's not that I'm doing something wrong in my communication. It's just that that's how they work. Right. Um, So that was really, really cool. Um, I think that was the big one for me was just our people around um, well, and we were talking in the opening about the the talk from uh, from the CEO of FreshBooks. Yeah, that was also so. You know, it was an interesting take, uh, and and normally I would be a little bit dubious of a company coming in to talk about how they do culture for a conference full of people who are organizing <laughs> people not in a company. Yeah, and and I think that there's and the, the reality is is there's lessons to be learned in both directions. Um, but I think that, that the crew at FreshBooks, from my impressions from everyone that I met, including Mike uh, McDermott, the, the CEO himself, they think about things pretty similarly to the way that we do. Uh, in fact, I, if I remember right, Mike even mentioned in like his first few sentences how much of his talk I had stolen uh, unknowingly. <laughs> so like we're clearly yeah. on the same wavelength. He and I got to speak a little bit during happy hour. and I've been a fan of his for a long time, I think, uh, I've read a bunch of his work early on because they were uh, more in the software world. They're like they were they were a bootstrap software company, which mm-hmm. is sort of my other universe. And uh, I think what they do is cool. I also liked. Um, I feel terrible because I don't think I wrote down her name, 
but the woman from Walnut Studios, who's the collaborative art studio space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, so we've had Indie Hall Arts grow pretty large, even in the time that I'm here, just in... Um, this last year has been gangbusters. Just, just, and also having a way to actually look at what artists we have. Um, so when we were just walking outside, uh, Sean, our art dude, was taking down the collaborative art show, which had 25 artists that all did amazing work. Like, I don't think there was a weak piece in the show because everything was so different and so amazing. And a lot of them were artists who would not put artists in their bio or byline. They're people who work at any hall most of them in some other industry or capacity, yep. but took the invitation to create a piece of art within some constraints for a group show. And we ended up with not just the 25 main pieces, but a bunch of little pieces. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was so cool to see people who we interact with on a regular basis, just to see another dimension of who yeah. they are. Was, that was really gratifying for me. Uh, and the show was great because you had all these people walking around going, I didn't know that you do this I didn't know that you do this um yeah. and getting to have that lovely surprise and so looking at Indie Hall Arts um I mean as you said most of our artists aren't they, they're not full-time artists they do other things um but now that we have such a nice base it's it's I've been curious how we can grow that beyond do you want to do a show do you want to do a collaborative show um, one of my favorite parts about the show was there was a night where we all got together and worked on smaller pieces in the same place. Everybody was working on their own thing, although you couldn't help but be inspired by each other. Um, and just having that work time was great. So looking at how they manage their studio space, and she was very clear that she puts different artists that work in different mediums together and kind of curates where folks are going to be located. Um, it was very, very interesting. And it gave me a lot of ideas as far as Indie Hall Arts and improv and all kinds of stuff like that because um, they're very intentional about their skill swapping they're very intentional about their events which is something else that we've worked on in the context of indie hall arts too what was it about the way they're doing skill swapping and events that you think is different from just saying we're going to do that um i think it was that it's something that's so visible we have indie skills which is a skillshare um, one of our members runs it, and she does a great job of making sure it pops up in people's consciousness at least once a month, if not more. Um, but it's very individual, and it's very based on, I kind of want to learn a thing, I could kind of teach you a thing, or I can definitely teach you a thing. Um, and it, it would be very cool to figure out ways to make more of those into workshops. And it happens very organically at Indie Hall, but I, um, it happens so organically that sometimes... I don't know what's happening. Right. Uh, And so I can't share that or other people can't share it. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I liked that. That was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And then there was also life after co-working, which was this didn't work for whatever reason. And that was less about like, here's where it didn't work. But it's also, I liked that as a topic to get people together on because, um, it's not saying that anyone at the conference is going to be done with co-working or something's not going to work, but it is kind of like, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. It's interesting in that the majority of the most successful co-working spaces are led by either the owners or the staff or both, uh, as well as community members who are really invested in it emotionally, not just financially. And the danger in that, of course, is 
when you know not everything lasts forever was sort yeah. of the, how, how I think Tony had opened it up um, and it's not to say that you so like personally I want Indy Hall to outlive me and I make very strategic decisions with that in mind the basis of a lot of our design and decisions but it's not inevitable and to think about when you like even abstract from co-working like when you put so much of yourself into something what happens when it goes away well you don't go away you get to go find other things to put yourself into and I think I agree with you that was a really it was a healthy reminder um and a and an entertaining panel as well yeah um cool so uh so day, day one I mean that's a highlight reel and that covered really the majority of the talks they were all really good yeah Day two, going into day two, uh, your first time actually doing an unconference as well. So what were first impressions as, as day two started to come together? Um, I, I love day two because it also was very much like, oh, yeah, we, we know what's going on. We know what we're doing. And I had that a little bit with day one where somebody would be talking about a specific way that they work. Uh, or a specific thing that's very important to their community. Um, a good example is sponsorship was one of the unconference groups. And I know that a lot of people got stuff that was very valuable about sponsorship, but I just knew right off the bat that I'm not going to go to that. That's not really what Indie Hall does. Uh, and to be comfortable in that and not judgmental and not like you're doing it wrong, just like, no, that's just not how we work. I hope it works for you. Um, but yeah, I loved I loved Unconference mostly because I got to actually talk to people about what they're doing. One of the things that, okay, I said I didn't have any expectations, but one of the expectations that you and Adam had set was, I'm not going to get a lot of conversation about how space is run. It's going to be a lot of what's our mission, what's our goal, maybe like what does our space look like or where is it or what is our community like, but not a lot of the day-to-day stuff that Adam and I do of, you know, how do you take attendance? How do you make sure that everybody's responsible for everything? Um, and that all of the community feels like they can be responsible, not in a way that it feels like a drag, but like it's an opportunity to make it your own. Um, and so the unconference, I actually found a lot of opportunities to talk about that sort of thing, which was really exciting for me. So yeah, I think the first group was looking at, uh, that sweet spot in uh, how do you grow large enough and still have that sort of personal connection with people like intimacy yeah intimacy is like a super loaded word but I think that I mean we've even experienced it at Indie Hall is absolutely you know you hit you hit a threshold where you go from feeling like you know all the people in the room to you turn around and you're like, who are these people I ha- I don't know? Which, on one hand, and on the best hand, is these are people who I can now meet, but in a sense of overwhelm can be, quite literally, who are these strangers in my house? Yeah, right? definitely. That, that, that can be the feeling, and that's a, that's a tricky thing to balance. Absolutely. Uh, the guy that had asked the question uh, has a space with 90 members, which that's sizable that definitely I definitely um could see how it's difficult to really know 90 people and it got a little bit more into working that financially 
um, when I really wanted to know, like, scaling, scaling, how do you do scaling? Um, scaling culture. Scaling culture, like, with your size. Um, but it was really great to sit down and listen to where he's stuck, where other people get stuck. Um, and you and Jacob were in that, that session, so it was just like, I'm going to listen really well. <laughs> um, let's see what else. There was one that was so great about kind of what we were talking about with Skillshares um, that you were also in, but I talked a lot more during that one, about what sorts of programming we have uh, and how do you program for your co-working space, which I thought was really interesting because we are lucky enough to have a whole bunch of members that will take initiative to do a new member lunch to have a pumpkin carving competition which is coming up um <laughs> to you know say i want to do an art show or i want to help out with the halloween party or something like that and it both made me feel very lucky but it was also great because i got to share the types of conversations i have with newer members who have those ideas and their immediate response is oh but i can't do that because something in their brain says no 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 that's not your job um so that was really great, and I'm really hoping that that carries through. Well, I want to suggest that, uh, and I think you are, you can be, and you should be, appreciative, but I don't think it's luck. Yeah, that's true. It's, de- it's by design. It's by design. Um, and, and frankly, by hard work, the hands of yourself included, uh, anyone who, who is in a leadership role and that is not necessarily formal leadership like yourself Adam Sean that is just members of the community who tend to lead uh, it's very much by, by design and there's a lot of places that feel like they can't have it because they're not lucky enough to and that's I, why yes. and that's why I bring it up is because even when you we had a great example you, you got to talk to Carly right yeah. so we've got a, a, a friend who um, runs a co-working space up in Boston and uh, I had met her when Adam and I were up in Boston. She had some great questions about, you know, they've got, uh, they've got a space that's growing, a community that's growing. There are great people. But it had fallen into that rut of people have an expectation that the staff essentially services the community. I think that happens a lot. Definitely. We, we gave some advice during our workshop in Boston to Carly about how to reverse that uh and part of the challenge is is it's a process like it's not a okay now everybody takes care of the co-working space they're part of you've got to do it in small steps uh and we gave some suggestions on what those small steps could be she took them ran with them and came back and she said that in the last when we were in boston we were in boston in may so that's four months or so and she said they in four months of doing the work they've seen an incredible turnaround so if you are sitting here listening going well i wish i was lucky enough to have members that participated you it's not luck you can do it you can put in the work to invite your members to do that which is essentially what carly did and and do it based on tumbling based on what you know members would actually want to be a part of yeah and do it in and the advice that we gave essentially that kicked things off was do it in small constrained areas so I gave Reboot as the concrete example for us because it's over a three-day weekend and it's not its not a you-need-to-do-this-every-day. It's we're going to be doing this. It would be great if you joined us knowing that once people actually contribute, 
they feel a sense of satisfaction that they did not expect to feel. Yeah. And that becomes the fuel for continuing to do it instead of because we asked them to. Right. Uh, I will say I do feel luck when someone walks in the door and you can tell that they are ready. Like, they're excited. And I recognize that that is absolutely because of the work that goes into being super clear on our website and how we give our tours and being... Uh, having everything, if if you're a member of Indie Hall, if you work for Indie Hall, if you're associated with Indie Hall in any way, you have a particular way of speaking about it that makes it very clear that it's, this is your community, this will be your home, if you want it to be. And so I I will say, though, I do feel lucky. We had a, a drop-in yesterday, who's a woman from Toronto, and I didn't actually give her a tour, I just talked to her very briefly, and Adam toured um, but she was so excited and delighted that this place exists. And I think she had just moved to Philadelphia, so she was already... You could tell she already had all these ideas of, how am I going to meet all these people? How am I going to get involved with what they're into? And those are times I feel lucky. And I recognize that it is from setting expectations super, super well. The last stage, though, is also that you recognize it. And that's a thing that I think you do somewhat intuitively, but you've also learned how to do really well over the last year is recognize that person. I think more people have that kind of person walk in the door and just don't even realize that that person is just ripe yeah. for... give. Like, if you gave them something to participate in, they would jump at the chance. They just... They don't see it on their own, and you don't notice that they would do it and show them how to get there. You don't create that invitation. I think it's just as important as all of the... the yes, you're right. Everything, every step along the way matters. Um... We've veered off track, but hopefully this was good stuff. Uh, how do we even get there? Oh, oh, that was the uh, the, the conversation about uh, programming and, and yeah, and, and what's offered and what's there. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun to actually be able to share. That was what was missing for me the first day. Was I just I was nervous to talk to all these people, but I also so badly wanted to share. Um, so that's why day two was really really awesome. Uh, I did end up in a in an unconference group or two where I was like, how did I end up here? Uh, <laughs> did you stick it out? Yeah, of course. I didn't really think <laughs> I didn't think I was allowed to leave. Um, ah. Or I will say I stuck it out because of my fortitude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is you know it's funny, it's, and that's like it's another one of those things where, um, you know, the the communication matters so much, and that it may have been said and missed, or may have just been neglected to say one of the components of bar camp and sort of like a throwback to the hallway conference that it originated from is the law of two feet. If you're not feeling a session, go find another one. And the, 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 the perhaps unspoken agreement that should be spoken up front is the organizer of the session is not allowed to be offended if you leave and you're not allowed to be offended because you stayed. Yeah. Right? I get that. Because there's, there's a, uh, literally a, a other places within close proximity that you could choose to be as well. So um, so for those of you that have unconferenced and didn't even realize that that was an option, maybe, there you go. maybe uh, take advantage of the law of two feet. There's something at risk of digression again. Uh, a Do it. A it's, member sent it, us an email about uh, leaving Indy Hall. He's just geographically, it's not working for him, and he hasn't been online very much. And so it's kind of... I knew, I knew it was coming. Uh, and in the email, he said, it's nothing personal. I really like what you all do. I like the community. I just can't get there and utilize this community well. 
and of course, my response is usually something on the lines of the door is always open, don't be a stranger, you know, make sure they know what their options are. But the, the phrase, like, don't take it personally was so interesting because co-working is such a personal business. Yeah. The, the whole thing that we have is that we are people and we want to talk to you as a person. But at the same time, you really can't take this stuff personally. Like if no one shows up to your event or if someone leaves your co-working space or someone walks out of your unconference group. Right. Um, and it's just such a funny balance. I don't have any advice on that other than having someone to check in with if you're starting to take something too personally. But it just fascinates me, too. Um, especially, I, think that, I think that's good advice, though. Yeah. Is having having a check-in. That's just something that me, you, and Adam and Sean do for each other. Uh, and maybe could even stand to do for each other more. Yeah, um, definitely. It's something I've had to learn myself, and you know, it's it's a it's a byproduct of of uh, of being visible and interacting with more people than the average, mm-hmm. right? Most people interact with their f- their close family and friends, and even if they have a, a job, they interact with their closest coworkers and their boss. They don't interact with a lot of people. So um, as that gets bigger, you, there's an entire new set of skills to. I've gotten to a point where I can generally self-check my my emotion and say, are they actually upset with you or are they just doing what you would do if you were trying to get work done or if you're trying to, you know, just navigate the situation and can realize that if they were, most of the people in my life, if they were actually mad at me, would have said something. They would have been like, you're being a jerk, I'm out. <laughs> and they didn't say, you're being a jerk, I'm out. They just went and did something else. Right. That's cool. I even have that with a couple of our members that I'm closer with. And I think usually it's for the, like, I just have to just say this because it's bothering me. It doesn't mean anything. I just need to say something, you know. And um, it's great because I think just like talking about failures in the conference, having that sense of vulnerability of, like, I'm having a day where I can't do anything right or like I'm having a day where I'm really sad because I have personal stuff going on or something like that is so important on a day-to-day basis not to pretend you have a veneer going on of everything is perfect right we're not robots right and we don't do our best work when we act like robots right yeah Yeah. um but yes going back to unconference stuff uh (laughs) I wanted so much to talk about people and how we talk to our community and how our community talks back to us and shares and um, a lot of, and I guess that's a funny thing to say because I also wanted to know what are the systems you use? How do you do the X, Y, Z? You know, um, I was in a session and it became to talk about bookkeeping stuff um, and other tools like that, which to me when I heard tools, I wasn't thinking like, um, hey, have you used Zapier, which is how I'm going to say it, even though apparently that's not how you say it. Like, have you used Zapier? It's amazing. Do you use, you know, Stripe for your membership stuff, whatever else? Um, But the upside to those sessions where I didn't think I was going to get anything was I really pinpointed a lot of my pains in my day-to-day indie hall stuff uh, so it led to when we got back, me having a lot of like, why do we do it like this? Do we have to? Because um, more experienced co-working folks that were amazing and were just sitting and listening to everybody talking about all the different things would say, is this part necessary? Do you have to do it that way? 
Um, and it got me a lot clearer on why we do some of the things we do and also clear on if it's actually serving that purpose. Um, as well as just having conversations with you about, okay, this is why we do it, or maybe this is how we'll adjust this sort of thing. Or this is why we don't do it that way. Yeah. In a lot of cases, people don't even realize that the way they're doing that seems to be perfectly fine is creating some ripple effect or secondary problem that they don't even see the connection to, and we actively avoid doing something because it just creates another problem that we need the band-aid. Yeah. Um, and it was also nice to, in some of those sessions, to realize that I don't have to deal with some of the stuff that people starting out are dealing with, uh, that people that are running this space and maybe don't have a team or don't really have a community to support them. Um, Adam and I do meetings, of, well, FaceTime chats with some of the other people that do our job. Uh, and at other co-working spaces. At other co-working spaces across the country. And um, I just forgot what I was going to say about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, but some of the stuff that uh, they've had to worry about, they're recently adding in um, community cultivators. And I know Office Nomads has had that for a little while. Um, one of the others, ah, I forgot which group is. The factory just is adding that right now. Uh, sorry if that's a spoiler. Um, and I'm fascinated by that onboarding process and how you say like okay you're a community member and now you're going to contribute even more and I'm just so happy that we don't have that we just have invitations um, that are less formalized yeah if I'm going to use the word lucky it's like I'm feeling pretty lucky that I'm coming into Indie Hall nine years in that one you can feel lucky (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm also super clear on how intentional not only Indie Hall people are you know all of the people that have done my job before me and you, but also people starting out are very intentional about things like, do you have a water line running to your coffee pot or do you expect your members to fill the pot? Where do you get your coffee from? How much coffee do you use? And to me, my brain goes, I don't care. But I also can recognize that I'm very lucky to not have to care yeah. that coffee is already set up. We do have a water line. Our members would fill the pot if they needed to. Yeah, we, we've solved. Those are those are long-solved problems. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of nice, too. And I'm so glad not to think about furniture ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also to be able to share how the layout of Indie Hall is very intentional and how... Our, where our community spaces where you can like sit with a bunch of people versus sitting at a desk are located and why our conference rooms have clear walls that also have drawings on them so it's kind of private but also you can still see into them well and and to your point about day two being about sharing one of the comments that I heard from a lot of people that were at the conference and had obviously met you for the first time was that they were they were impressed by uh, n- your Understanding of why we do what we do, why it works, uh, and, and and my hope, and we've had conversations on the Coworking Weekly show before about sort of the difference between how I approach our working relationship or the working relationship with us as a team versus other people who I think often view their staff as, as uh, I mean, essentially just like, Taskmasters, like people that just like go and crank the people who take the attendance, the people who give tours, and I don't think that they realize that if they 
put a little bit of effort into actually helping you understand why the place works in the first place, then those people can do their jobs better. I think also very early on, you and Adam set something for me to own, which is the weekly announcements. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can talk at length about, I I just did my 52nd, so it's been a full year. We have to come back and do another episode about announcements and what we've learned from that and what works and what doesn't about, just about communication in general, because that is a problem. It's a whole thing. That's a whole, we could talk for hours about that. Um, so we'll earmark that for another conversation. Yeah. And, uh, 52 Gemini crickets, right? But realizing that I was at 52 and I think I started early September, like the first week of September, it means that I was here for less than a month and it was, uh, here's a great idea. We talked about how it would be executed. And my thought was cool. We'll all do it. And it was Sam, go do it. (laughs) Um, And it came from, in brief, the problem of things in lots of different mediums uh, and how do we put them in one place. So, but having me own that right away was super helpful because then it could be like, well, this is how we do it. Um, I've also always been one of those people that refuses to just be an employee. Um, And that was the sense I got from some of the folks I talked to at the conference who were recently started running a co-working community and recently had to kind of figure out where do I fit what exactly am I responsible for um and I've always been one of those people that will speak up if something's not working from working at a summer camp from working at a coffee shop when I would be like guys scheduling's not not right this way um I'm a pain in the ass but I'm a pain in the ass in a way that I like to think is constructive um So for me, having the type of position where I get the privilege of owning it and really feeling like I'm going to leave my mark on Indie Hall, I'm going to contribute to Indie Hall, not just by doing daily tasks, but also having the freedom to go, okay, I want to build a a website for Indie Hall Arts on Squarespace. Let's go do it. Or I'm going to, yesterday I drew on the wall, and that was amazing. Um, (laughs) more of that coming up Um, but having it just like with members how they have an opportunity to contribute in whatever way makes sense having my job be to look at ways to contribute is a lot different than I'm an employee and I am a secretary right yep and that's very much I mean again that's by design I think one of our first conversations when you and I met was you know part of the Arrangement, and this if this doesn't work for you and it doesn't work for everybody, that's okay too. But the arrangement was you help take care of Indy Hall, and Indy Hall is also going to help take care of you. And that and in that Indy Hall takes care of you, that means giving you space and freedom to try things out and experiment and find your way and do things and make it better. And, and ultimately, I think you just said, you know, you realize that part of your job is to leave a mark. Some people feel like they'll they should only be so lucky as to leave a mark yeah. when it's the, the core purpose of your job is to leave a mark. Indie Hall should be better than it was when you walked in the door. Uh, and setting that expectation up front, like I said, I say it right from the very beginning is for some people that either they don't want it or it freaks them out, and that's totally cool. There's lots of other jobs out there in the world for you, but for I felt really confident about <laughs> bringing you onto the team because... That clearly made sense to you very quickly. That was that was resonant from 
from the start. I'm glad that's the impression I gave. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be completely honest, from the start, we had this whole talk, and my brain was like, this can't be real. This isn't right. <laughs> like, you've heard something wrong and something's unclear. But what works is then that continues through of, here's what you're going to own this week and a slow onboarding process of, now you're taking attendance, now you're doing announcements, now you're going to do X, Y, Z and take on this part or this billing sort of task. Now, Sam's got a few more tips for you, and we're going to get back to them in just a minute. But before we do, I want to take a quick break to tell you about a little something that we've been working on over here at Indie Hall. Once again, with my trend watching hat on, I've noticed that every year at every new co-working conference that I go to, there are more newbies in the room than ever before. Now, this is very exciting, but it can also be really, really challenging because I realize for all the people that are in the room, there's even more that are out there that can't make it to one of these conferences, whether it's because travel is expensive or because of taking time away from the business or away from their community. There's all kinds of people all over the world who just aren't able to make it to one of these events. And I wanted to create an event for those people. I wanted to create an event for the people who would absolutely be at a co-working conference if only it were easier to get there. So in order to do that, we have to do some things that are a little bit counterintuitive. It would make sense that co-working space is being an offline experience, a physical place that you go to be around actual people, that the conferences for co-working should probably follow the same format. They should be in person, in a physical venue, at a very specific place for people that are nearby. But the other problem is, is when you do things in a physical venue, the only people who are able to get there are, well, the people who are able to get there, which for the most part means you're only going to get people from within that very specific region, which is fine. You know, as I mentioned, going to the Coworking Asia Conference in Bali in Ubud next month in February means I'm mostly going to be hanging out with people from the Asian communities. And going to Coworking Europe means I'm mostly going to be hanging out with people from the European countries. And those conferences are great. But if you don't get to go to more than one conference in more than one region, you miss out on some of the really important patterns, both the similarities and the differences that you get to see when you look at different regions. And without those patterns, you really miss out on a lot of valuable lessons. And so if I combine these two problems of co-working conferences are tough to get to, especially when you're just getting up and off the ground, and the fact that you're, if you do make it to a co-working conference, you're probably only going to interact with people that are within your general region. What would happen if I took both of those barriers away? And that's what we're aiming to do. So mark your calendars for this April 21st. No matter where you are in the world, I would love to have you at our very first People at Work Summit. Now, this isn't just a conference like any other conference where we're doing it online. This is an event that is designed specifically for an online experience so that not only can you attend from everywhere in the world, but you can actually participate from anywhere in the world. I've never been to an event like this, but this is the event that I've always wanted to go to. And we've got some of the best people in the world involved. So I'm excited to be sharing more and more and more and more and more about this event with you. But in the meantime, head over to peopleatworksummit.com to find out more, find out if this is something that's going to be up your alley. Jump on our announcement list to find out when tickets are available. Best of all, we're going to be keeping this priced for 
access. Price that anyone in the world can make it to this. It's going to be really, really affordable, and we're going to make some scholarships available. So no matter where you are in the world, if this is something that you want to be at, I want you there. Head to peopleatworksummit.com and check it out. I'm so excited about this event. I know it's going to be badass, and the best way to make it badass is to have you there. Now, I think it's time to get back into our episode and finish up with the conclusion of Sam's epic takeaways from the Coworking Toronto conference. Let's get back into the episode. So we've been, we've been talking a while about day one and day two, conference day, unconference day, day three. This is a, this is a big conference. Three days of conference is a lot. Uh, and on day three, we were slated to do a workshop. And uh, so excited about the workshop. We, we were, <laughs> I was pumped about this. You were pumped about this. Uh, I mentioned briefly before, and you've mentioned a couple of times your background in improv. Uh, and when we were talking about, you know, I don't, I didn't want us to just go into this and say, well, this is going to be Sam and Alex doing what Sam and, or what Alex and Adam normally do in our workshops. Let's come up with something that's us. And knowing how we work together and knowing improv and knowing that you teach improv as well, got us thinking, well, what if we did some like improv skills for community building and business success? And we had a whole thing put together, three games, a whole narrative. It was going to be all tied together. Uh, it's still on the shelf. So you're going to have to come <laughs> to a future event that Sam and I go to so we can do this workshop. Uh, because Sam sent me a message first thing in the morning and said, I have food poisoning. Yeah. Wah, wah. yeah. So uh, if you're in Toronto and you find yourself in a little Mexican joint called Asada on St. Clair, don't get the veggie tacos. Is that what you got? I got black bean tacos. How, I, can, you, how can you? When you're vegetarian, you usually assume you're pretty safe. Uh but the real moral of the story is if you have to be puking, be puking next to Angel because uh, she's so kind about it. I, I have to say, and I'm going to I'm gonna thank her as well because uh, when she, I messaged her and I was like, how's Sam doing? And she's like, oh, she's in pretty rough shape, but my, my mothering instincts have kicked in. And I said, I'm glad because I don't have mothering instincts. So I'm glad that you were able to be comfortable and people were bummed, but we, we made... It was a it was an improv inspired workshop. So as I typically do, I just improv the workshop, and uh, we ended up having a nice conversation about tumbling, and and uh, and people seemed to really like it. And I actually hung around for another hour and a half with a few a few more people who wow, um, you know, basically we were ending, and there was another session starting up at CSI. Mm-hmm. It was the culture hacking one, I think. But people wanted to go to it, and I was like back to the unconference like you can leave I said if you want to go to this I'm sure it'll be great I will not be offended if you leave right now but if you want to stay and keep talking I'm happy to stay and keep talking you know I stuck around for another hour and a half and it ended up being me, me and one other woman at the very end just chatting about I think we we're talking about group buzz or or something along those lines so uh it still ended up being good I'm sorry you were sick that's the worst yep uh <laughs> the worst the worst um and then, as if three days of conference weren't enough, dun, 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 yep. there was a fourth day, a bonus day, because uh, our buddy Tony Bacigalupo of the former New York City in New York, Tony has not only done IndyCon, I think this was the third time, but all three times right before 
it, the day it happened, he said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> uh, which, and, and truthfully, I mean, you, you went first thing in the morning, yeah? Yeah. Uh, bounce back from your, your deathbed. Uh, I didn't really. show up. No, <laughs> I didn't show up till, till about lunchtime. I needed a, a day to sleep in. I mean, that was, so I guess a little bit of background on IndyCon. Again, the unconference format adapted a bit and geared towards ultimately an audience that's very similar to the people who would be members of a co-working space. Yeah. I was super excited about this from the start because one of the things that tends to be missing from co-working conferences is members. It's a bunch of us industry folks talking at each other, sometimes with each other, yeah. about the things we do with <laughs> and for our members and what they like, but how often do you get a member in the room saying, actually, I don't, that doesn't work for me. Or, I really do love that. That actually makes the experience that much better. So that voice is so often missing, and that's something that I still, you know, I'm going to keep putting that out there as a challenge to conference organizers to find a way to include members of co-working conferences in the event. I think this was a first step to complement these two events. So uh, it was more about the challenges that independent workers and freelancers have. Um, But you were there for the kickoff of the day, so... Yes. What, what was that? What was that like? Well, first, I need to apologize for anyone that was there or was taking pictures because I looked like the angriest person in all of these pictures because I was like, I was at about sixty-five percent operating capacity. Um, so I'm sorry. Sixty-five percent is above the puking threshold, though. Puking's like three percent. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was okay, but I was also like, oh, is it lunch? Time. I was uh, coffee. I don't. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> Basically, was was a lot of what I was thinking. But um, it was great because you know I talked a little bit about vulnerability, and there was a lot of that in just discussing the topics we wanted to talk about. So um, one of the things that came up for me was uh, the my thing is confidence in my business. Uh, I do photography. I do headshots. And it's been really weird to charge people for something that I have always just done for fun. Um, But it also is taking me longer and longer the more I build my skills and um, I take it more seriously and I do better work because of it. So it makes sense that I should charge more money. But something in my brain is just like, no, 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 no. So definitely imposter syndrome which I had never labeled it as such even though I knew what that was and then I realized I had imposter syndrome about being at at IndyCon because I was like I don't really have like I am an independent worker but I work for Indy Hall so I'm safer in a lot of ways than if I worked just independently without that safety net and I as we said that's how the position's designed is to be a safety net for that sort of thing um but I want to talk about confidence. A lot of people want to talk about um, how do you get clients? How do you figure out who you are as a company? Um, a whole range of topics. And it basically ended up being that we all just talked about stuff together uh, rather than splitting up, which was valuable in some ways. I could tell a couple people were, were like, this doesn't apply to me. They kind of tap I'll wait. Out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there was nowhere to follow your feet to. Uh, that is the downside of being a whole group but the upside is you're not going to miss anything like I knew in unconference there were a couple of sessions where it's like I could go to two or three of these and have a great time uh, and be really really learn a lot really be engaged this was there's one thing I can be engaged or I cannot be engaged but there's no there's no alternative right Right. 
uh, and for the people that something you're talking about is not an issue for you, then they have insight on why it's not an issue for them and why they've set it up so that they don't have this sort of thing happening. Um, I didn't take a lot of notes, though, which kind of stinks. But I did... uh, We ended up with this huge amount of resources that folks have used, which was kind of a cool takeaway of not just let's talk about stuff, but also you got to read these books. you got to listen to this podcast. Um, There is a filmmaker at the end who he said, yeah, okay, I don't really read a lot of these books, but this is the album that made my last movie. Uh, basically, he would—he uh, was working, I think, full-time, or he's a student full-time, one or the other, and then would start working on his film late at night after he'd already worked a full day, and, that, and there was a particular song that just got him in that zone. Um, so that was... I really liked the sharing component of that. But yeah, I, I was also little more than half there to be honest um and it's interesting how you can be working in so many different industries or different mediums uh and still come up against the same sorts of issues and the same sorts of things that you might not even think about for your particular industry that you know maybe not doesn't apply directly for a photographer but it does for a web designer and could apply for a photographer and then that's a different way of thinking about it um so that was pretty valuable as well yeah it was you know again i came in sort of halfway through the day so the sessions themselves were more or less mapped out but it was still really great to jump in and i'm probably i found myself on the more experienced end of where people are because I have been in business for myself for I mean 15 years now and all different kinds of businesses and I've I've identified most of the problems that people are going through and I found my found out my solutions but even then I think there's a you know I'm far from perfect and I'm always evolving my process Mm -hmm. so the two things that help me are hearing how other people do it even when I have a process for that Mm -hmm. say is there something I can extract from that and use to make mine better um, or sometimes to just challenge my process entirely and say, I mean, like you were saying before with things at Indy Hall, if I take everything I do at face value because I assume it works, I stop. As soon as I stop looking at the things I do because I do them that way, mm-hmm. then I start to lose the edge, right? Yeah. That, that it makes me good at what I do. So it was still good. It was fun. I like to share uh, the stuff that I've learned in general. So it was it was good. And it was, I think it was a nice, it was a really nice capstone yeah, definitely. On, on, on the week. Because uh, it was far mellower as well. Um, my favorite takeaway from the whole, the whole conference really, because I spent a lot of time with Angel because I love her. Um, I called that, I'm just going to, I'm going to go on record and say, I called that. I was like, Sam and Angel are going to be BFFs. Best friends. And you even... And in an appropriate amount of defiance, we're like, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm well, not. I hate her. I'm just kidding. I love her. Definite, I definitely never said that, Angel. Um, I would never say that. No, but, you know, when somebody says, oh, this person is just like you, your automatic response is, uh, okay, all right. Uh, that, that horn honking is that, basically uh, the automatic. Uh, uh, uh. Um, but I spent a lot of time with Angel, uh, and one of the things we talked about, and she appropriately left IndieCon right before we had this session, 
but it was about taking care of yourself and JOMO, which is FOMO is fear of missing out. JOMO is joy of missing out. Um, and Angel and apparently a couple other people that are usually at these conferences she was telling me about are very comfortable with, okay, I'm done with human interaction. I want to go sit quietly by myself or you can be there, but we're going to just have some quiet time. Uh, so she could read her book or we could watch a bad movie or something like that. And um, that was wonderful because I get very... When things are too much, I shut down. I can't focus. I can't talk to people at bars and large groups. It's just not a thing that I do well. Um, and so having realizing that everyone in the room at IndieCon was looking for a little bit of alone time in a three-day conference... Um, and that everybody has that moment and the funny kind of shame of, oh, I want to be by myself and feeling like... Where were you? Right. We were waiting for you. Which the only time that happened was when I was sick. And it wasn't where were you. It was, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was also, you know, just an indicator of the types of people that go to this conference that they actually gave a shit um, quite legitimately, not in a polite way, not asking to be polite. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I loved that because I think leftover from my college time of you got to be making the most of your college time. You only have four years. I still, I get major FOMO. I get, and then I have a lot of guilt about taking time for myself. And, uh, you know, who else is really good at that. Vanessa Generelli. Oh, who yeah. has also been on the, on the show before. Yeah. Vanessa's got like a, I mean, she, Vanessa's basically got a, a, a gesture where she, where it's like, you can't see what I'm doing, but it's like he's moving his I'm moving, hand I'm, in, I'm a, sweeping in my a hand. wave fashion, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll and she'll just poof, and it's not and and again when you're friends with Vanessa, you know this is not Vanessa wanting to leave you. It's Vanessa being done with humans for a little while. Yeah, and that's okay. And it's it's nice to know that that's not uh, that is something everybody wants. Right. So uh, as we wrap up today. Uh, would you go to a co-working conference again? Oh, yeah. What would you do differently, if anything? Or maybe, we can ask it two different ways. Like, how, how, how would your expectations for another event change now that you've been through this? What would you hope to happen? What would you want to make better? Um, I think, so there were lots of times, and, and I thought Ashley designed it very well, of times where it's, let's go do a scavenger hunt. There was a, a bingo board where you had to find... Um, particular people that fill qualifications like can name three Toronto politicians or <laughs> know how to pronounce it, which apparently is Toronto. You don't say the second T. Um, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, but other than absorbing that, I didn't really focus on the people I was meeting doing those exercises. And I, I think because I'm someone that much prefers a smaller group contact sort of thing, so I'm so much happier having a one-on-one -on -one conversation than a whole group thing, looking for ways to have more one-on-one -on -one conversations with different people um, because I know some of the ones I had were really valuable for both of us, whether we're talking about co-working or about, you know, nonsense. Um, but I also know there were lots of times where I was too distracted being overheated or being hungry or being like, I wonder what's coming up next when I could have jumped in and talked to this person or this person or this person I think that's the big thing I would do differently and part of that was the first day I was just nervous uh, 
So it was great to have a couple of people that I had already met uh, that some of them had stopped through Indie Hall, so I really knew, and they had seen me in my house. Um, but, yeah, I, I would reach out a little bit more. Because um, folks all come to talk to you. <laughs> Grabbing you to, to plan our workshop was uh, really fun. It was almost like I wish someone had filmed it because it was like one of those like dun, 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 <laughs> me just like following you around and trying to get your attention. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. But I, I kind of wish I had talked to more people about and gotten a little bit deeper about what they're working on and what their goals are for their spaces other than the folks who spoke that day, right. that were very crystallized about what their values were. Uh, if you were going to give a piece of advice to somebody else who was going to their first co-working conference, what would it be? Um, it would be to know that what you're doing in your community is awesome and you're doing a great job and there's so much more to, to add on, but don't worry about if you're doing things right or wrong. Um, I get very stuck in the idea of, am I doing this right? And I could see how, if I hadn't been at Indie Hall for a full year, if it wasn't Indie Hall set up the way that it's Indie Hall, that I might have gotten a little bit like, oh my God, am I doing anything correctly? Am I doing anything right? And just to know, like, to trust yourself um, and also to really listen, really, really listen, even when you're just bullshitting at happy hour because um, that's where a lot of the great stuff I took away came from when I didn't think I was listening very well and then suddenly it was like oh my god yeah so that's yes de definitely just trust yourself awesome cool well sounds like it was a good trip it was awesome sweet we'll Super do it fun. again we'll do yeah. it again and uh, we'll get you back on the show we'll, we gotta do that talk about the Communication. communication. All right, that's the next time we get together. Sweet. Should we go back to the hall? Yes. Awesome, let's do it.